Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. Well, um, if you're here for the first time or watching online and you never met me, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, and uh, we exist as HSM to uh, make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And so you'll find that here we're all about Jesus. We delight in God's word and we believe Ultimately, the life change happens in relationship. Yes, got them all. All right, check it out. Uh, we are also a culture that honors um, our family and our friends. And so uh, tonight, as you guys, you know, find your seats or whatnot, we are going to honor uh, one of our brothers who's uh, been a part of our body for a while, and yet he's going to be moving on to something new. And so for many of you guys, uh, you come to service and you hear how, like, our worship team is dialed in, and like our, our, our sound cues are, are on point, and videos are not like messing up and whatever. Like, like the man who makes all that happen is Marco. And Marco's in the back over there. And Marco, if you don't mind, you mind, you mind running up real quick. Is that okay? Awesome, guys. Give it for a hand for Marco as he comes up. Awesome, awesome. So, um, our brother Marco, actually, today is actually his last Sunday that he's going to be serving with us. Uh, we're going to miss him, but we are happy with him, happy for him. Um, this man is anointed, skilled. He's a professional drummer. Like, there's so many, th- so handsome. Anyway, so many things going for you, brother. Anyway, the point is, we love you. Uh, we're going to miss you. Uh, but we want to do one thing is we want to pray for you and bless you. So I'll ask any leader who's close by to come up real quick to lay hands. If you're on the floor, please stretch your hands out as you bless Marco as he steps out into his next season. Lord, we just thank you uh, for our brother Marco. Thank you for uh, the season we got to be with him, Lord. Thank you for his grace, the way he has um, exemplified you and loved um, people around him, his patience, even uh, in loving our students, Lord. We've seen him, Lord God, take time to teach and to uh, tell really good dad jokes. Um, and uh, I share his, just his humor with all of us and his love and his care and his mercy, Lord. So what we want to do, Lord, is just send him out with um, your blessing. May you go before him, Lord God, giving him favor with uh, all that are around him, Lord. Uh, may, him, may he never lack anything because he trusts you. Um, and if should there be any anxiety or uh, thing that comes up, Lord God, that tries to uh, just weigh him down, Lord, we know, we know that your word says when we are afraid, we can trust in you. And so let his trust be found in you. And may he be found faithful, Lord God, because he does trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right. So awesome. So if you guys have your Bibles, if you guys don't mind, you can pull out your Bibles to Acts chapter, chapter 8 in verse 26, I believe, is we're going to be today. And if you've been following along with us in our body here, we've been going through this 2030 vision. I think this thing is still on, uh, Calvary 2030 vision. And what it is, is that we are planning for the next eight years to be a church that is intentional with making and taking our next steps. We talked about having childlike, uh, sorry, Christ-like compassion, what it means for us to live and love like Jesus. And finally, tonight, we're talking about what it means to have practical next steps. And I believe strongly that in our culture, language, language will shape our culture. Language will shape our culture. And I want to just test this with you with people in the room. If you're uh, looking for a spot to sit, there's some spots down here real quick. But we're testing this theory out. 
And I want to see if you guys can fill in the gaps for these remaining statements, starting with this one. The grass is greener on the other. Ah, sharp. I like it. All right. Here's another one. Uh, don't put your, what? In your own, don't put all your eggs in one. All right, cool. Actions speak louder than? Ah, there is no use crying over spilt. What does that even mean? Does, no, right? No one? Okay. Well, if it's just milk? It's just milk. I think, okay. okay. All right, cool. All right. Oh, we'll take that. All right. Best guess. An apple a day keeps a doctor. Does it though? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Let's, let's keep going. going. Don't judge a book by its, by its cover, right? Uh, all, these, all these statements mean something to our culture and they shape how we think. They shape how we think. Here's a personal favorite of mine uh, by Katie Creason, who's one of our leaders. She said, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. I love that one. She's, a, she's amazing. If you guys know Katie, she's great. And the thing is, like I said before, our language will shape our, our culture. All these proverbs, all these idioms, things we say and throw around in our normal day-to-day language shape how we think and how we live and how we love people around us. And then our words also, consequently, have power. They have power. See, back of the way in Genesis, Jesus, our God, the God-man, God created Adam and Eve, and he created this whole world. But one thing that God did in giving Adam was a power to name all the creatures on the earth. And imagine this guy just showed up for the first time. He's just been made, right? Just been created. And God agreed with him to let him name and label all these things on the earth. See, from the beginning, God has partnered with us to use our words, to cause change in our community, in our world, and God wants to use you to cause change in your world with the words that you use. Now, there's a verse here in De- Deuteronomy 38, 32:47, which says this, they are not just idle words for you, they are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Deuteronomy 32, 47. What does it mean? That these words for us as believers, the word of God, the Bible, these words are not empty. They have purpose. They have weight. They're not just words that we throw around like loosely. No. When we say God is jealous for you, he is desirous of you. He wants to be in relationship with you. You might feel like people don't want you. They have left you alone. No, this God pursues you. And so for us, there's some statements at our church we believe that shape who we are as a culture. And here they are. It's all about Jesus, where do you see that one in this room? In fact, we've taken, we've taken time to make sure that this is somewhere in our room. You guys see it? This is kind of like, where is it? Where is it? You got it? All right, great. It's all about Jesus. God's people delight in God's word, which is right here. Life change happens in relationship. Found people, found people. Save people. Serve people. And then grateful people are? are a giving people. These are words that we believe define us as believers. And you might be like, I've heard these things before. Guess what? You're going to continue to hear them because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And today we're going to see how all these principles are not just things we've pulled out of a self-help book, right? We're not here to like create a space where we're like, hey, this is five ways for you to get better in your life, 10 ways to get a boyfriend. Like we're not doing that, right? What we're doing here is teaching you how to go through life with Jesus, and I feel like I have like a holy smoke happening over here. 
Shanda Baso. Look at that. Some tongues right there happening. All right, check it out. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, Acts 8. So it says this. In Acts 8.26, where you guys have your smart devices and Bibles open, we can read with you together. One, two, three, go. Boom. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So what's happening here is this man, Philip, is not a rando, all right? And he's also not one of the disciples or apostles. This man is Philip. When uh, the disciples, the apostles were going, uh, getting super busy preaching the gospel, and there's a, there's a time in the book of Acts where they were having issues caring for some of the Greek parts or Greek, uh, Greek Christians or people who were converting to Christianity. And so what they did was they, fit, they, they chose some people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they chose one of these men was Stephen, and he also chose a man called Philip. Philip is not a Jew, okay? He's not one of the chosen people of Israel. He's like you and many, or some of you in this room, what the Bible will consider a Gentile, a person who's not a Jew. And so God called this man out of his area to come and to share the gospel and to learn and to be a part of this culture. And so Philip is now called by God to go and to go down this road that he doesn't know where it's going to go, ultimately. He says the road goes to Gaza, but it's like saying, hey, um, what I want you to do is go on this road and go on the 101. Now, the 101 goes to many places like where? L.A. and a few other places. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. And what we see here is that he does not question what God is asking him to do. What he does is simply obey. He walks by faith. And our walk as believers is, one, a walk of faith and a walk of obedience. See, again, Walking by faith means that you take the steps without knowing what the final destination actually is. And for many of you in this room, you might say, that sounds whack. And yet, ultimately, many of you guys came here in vehicles. Can I assume that, right? You guys came in vehicles? And you were driving 60, 65 miles per hour, whatever. Some of y'all put on your seatbelt. Some of you guys didn't. I'm not going to judge you right now, but I would say put on your seatbelt, right? But you had no doubt in your mind that you reached this destination safely. You stepped into your car by faith, knowing we're going to get here. That's the kind of faith that God asks us to walk in. A faith that is not just one in words, but ones that, that, that is in deed as well. Verse 27 says this. It says, so he started out. He simply heard the word, and then he obeyed. The question I get often from many young people is this. How do you then as a young person, grow in my relationship with Jesus. Pastor Aaron, I want to move from a Delilah to a John the Baptist. I don't know. I don't know why that's the scale. I don't know. It just happens to be that way. Judas to, I don't know. Okay, let's go back and forth. The point is this. They want to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to know him better. And in fact, I believe you're here in this room because someone invited you, one, to get to know Jesus better, or you yourself are on that path. And here are the two things that I believe are the key ways for us to know Jesus. One, listen to God. And two, do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. Literally, the Christian life is about us having a humble obedience, trusting Jesus, trusting our God at what he says. There's no other way for us to move forward except Trust this God with our very lives. In fact, it says this in this verse here. If you read it with me, it says, if you are willing and obedient, not just willing, but obedient, 
There's willingness, but there's also obedience, a follow-through, a walking by faith that is practical and daily. You will eat the good things of the land. He says in this scripture, if you trust God at his word for who he says he is, when he says he can raise the dead, that he can also take away your your, uh, anxieties, that he can heal all disease, that he's a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, if you believe that this is the God who says who he is, then you will eat the good things of the land. But on the other end, if you do not, if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, this is what the Bible calls living by wisdom or living in foolishness. If you read the book of Proverbs, which is basically God's Twitter feed, you have all these analogies and examples of how God says, if you live like this way, it is wise. If you live a life apart from me, it is foolishness. And God invites us into a life of wisdom. And so this verse in Job says this about God, sorry, in John, talks about God's word and God and actually obeying him. It says that when you obey my commands, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things. Why? Why does Jesus tell us these things? Why did he tell his disciples these things? That you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He says, if you trust me at my word, you will have joy. What is everyone in the world pursuing right now? Joy? Why do people feel that they should have all kinds of sex or have uh, all kinds of drugs? Why do people feel that they need to have all kinds of power? Like, why do people fight for power? Because they want to have joy. He says, you will have not just any joy, my joy, and you will have joy that overflows to others. You You will have enough to give other people. See, like Jesus, the believer whose life is submitted to the will of the Father, will have an overflowing joy. And the key is always humble obedience. Humble obedience is what makes a difference for us as believers. If you're saying, like, what what makes us different from anyone else in the world? One, Jesus, for sure. But two, we have a humble obedience. See, this obedience is not like something where someone, like, grabs you by the neck and forces you or, like, says, if you don't do this, you'll do this. No, no, no. He's saying... If you do this, you will have joy. That's a good deal to me. That sounds like wisdom. That's a slam dunk. And he's offering it to us freely. See, this God wants to give us his freedom. And the question you have to ask yourself, what are the things for me? What are the things for you in this day and age that you have to take as a next step of obedience to walk into? Like, what are those things that God is calling you to? And for some of you in this room, it may be an act of actual forgiveness, like Letting, like letting something go and forgiving someone. And for some of you, it might be something on the opposite end where you have to seek forgiveness from someone else. But both of those things are an act of obedience, whether you have been sinned against or you're the person who has sinned against someone else. And everyone in this room has, basically fits in that, in that context. You're either someone who has sinned against someone or who has been sinned against. And in both contexts, God has called us to have obedience. Because if he says that he's forgiven you of your sins, like truly, and you understand what that means, then you're called to give that to other people as well. For whom has been forgiven much, much is also required. This verse says this, as we keep on reading the book of Acts, 
it says, <clears throat> verse 27, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Imagine this man Philip is walking on this road, and he sees bougie Ethiopian. I don't know what his name is, right? Let's just call him Ethiopian. All right. So here he is. He's going down this road to Gaza. He's on his, his, his bougie chariot riding down, and he just came from Jerusalem. Now, technically what's happening is, is every few years, not every year, but every year, there are certain festivals that men were required to go back to Jerusalem to worship. This is one of those, those, those things. He goes back. He's worshiping. He spent time reading the Bible. He spent time reading the Word of God. He spent time worshiping God, kind of like you guys in this room. And then he's on his way back, the 101, like some of you guys would be going one way or the other way. But he's continuing to read the word of God. Like he's desiring to have more of it. He can't get enough of who God is so much so that on his way back, he has to devour this truth. And I ask you the question, do you have that same desire for the word of God? Because that's where we are going in these next eight years until Jesus comes back. We are people who delight in this word. We live by it. We walk by it. In fact, it says, it was said of Job that he desired God's word more than his daily bread. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we just brought back the donuts here at, at church. And donuts are a big thing depending on where you are and what generation you are. I think donuts are still awesome. But people raved. Your parents, your adults were like, donuts are back. Oh my gosh. And everyone went and like raved and like went over and got all the donuts, right? And that's just bread. <laughs> that's just bread. He goes, more than food, more than food, I've desired God's word. He wants to instill in us a hunger and a desire for his word more than that, because it is literally the bread of life allows us to live and walk day by day. We believe that we are going to be a people who delight in God's word. And we are a people. We believe that this church is going to be filled with, that you people, you sitting in these chairs, that I myself will continue to grow in, that Drew will, that Christiana will, that uh, Cam Bigelow will, like all the people in this room, or Brennan, like all these people in this space are going to be a people who are filled with the word of God and who love and pursue the word of God for its joy, for its delight. And I, I want to play a video for you guys real quick, and you can tell me what it looks like. Like, when you just see this video, it's one of our leaders called Joey, and how he, like, really dives into the Word of God. What's happening here is this. Joey's in the middle of Babylon. I'm just kidding, no. He's not in the middle of Babylon. We were having a leader retreat, and in the middle of all the craziness that's happening around and whatnot, uh, Joey's like seated, planted in the Word of God reading. And I'm not saying that Joey's more holy than anyone else. I'm not saying that, um, you know, this makes him like, like our, our new standard of anything. You know, what I'm saying is that Joey ultimately, truly has a desire for God's Word, and he loves it. And if you spend time with him or other of our, any of our leaders in this room, you'll know that they have a desire and a love for God's word. They see it. They delight in it. They enjoy it. And there's a purpose in that because they know that it has life and life eternal. Can we go to the next slide, please? It says this. 
and there's a few of you guys who have smart devices on your phones. This might be my recommendation to you. Uh, feel free to log into our Wi-Fi. It's like free. You can't beat that with a stick. Like it's awesome. Like it's it's a way for you to download the YouVersion Bible app. You might say the hardest thing for me is I don't have a Bible. How many of you guys have a smart device in your pocket right now? Go. You got one? All right. This is your opportunity, right? Download the YouVersion Bible app. It has reminders. It has ways for you to dive into the Word of God. And here's another one. If you guys also have a smart device, I would recommend downloading the Streetlights Bible app. And none of this stuff is sponsored, hashtag not sponsored. Um, but what it is is, like, these are ways for you to actually engage with the Word of God. And why I like the Streetlights Bible specifically, well, let me go back to the top. The YouVersion Bible app is great to read and to reflect. It has all kinds of different versions of the Bible. If you're like, oh my gosh, hear ye, hear ye. You don't have to get a version that sounds like that. You can get one that sounds like Andrew or like me or whatever, and different voices and all these different things, right? But the Streetlights Bible particularly has rappers, poets that's, that actually read the Word of God over hip-hop. And so I'd recommend if you guys are like on that plan where you're like, reading is not my jam, first of all, that's not true because you read stop signs and labels and oh my gosh my package arrived okay so but 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 also the streetlights bible has a way for us to listen to the word of god and reflect on it so that's one way for us to do that as well the third one would be a good old-fashioned paper bible if you're in this room tonight and you don't have a bible we want to gift you with one at the back of this room there's a, t a tv and a, a little uh stand next to it where we have a ton of bibles nothing beats sitting in your car with the light on reading your Bible, and just like circling stuff and hearing stuff from God. Like nothing beats the quiet time you can have in the morning where there's calm and no noise and you just flipping pages and circling what God is doing for you in your life. Nothing beats that. And so these are three ways I would encourage you guys to jump into the word of God. Why? Because God is always speaking to us. He's always speaking to us through this word of God. You might be like, God, I want to hear from you. God, I want to know you. And he goes, hey, here I am. I've been speaking to you. I wrote you a whole book. I wrote you a love letter. I wrote you with instructions. People have made this acronym up for the word Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. I think it's, it's beyond that. It's a word on how to live day to day and to live in eternity. God is always speaking to you. The question is, are we going to be a people who listen? See, Philip had spent time reading the word of God. He not met Jesus, and yet for some reason, his life was changed by the power of the gospel, like you in this room, and he decides that he's going to go on this journey, obey God, do what it says, and here he is in verse 29, it says this, his response, or what happens as Philip engages with this man, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Because Philip is engaged with the word of God, he's able to identify that God is speaking to him. And he goes and he says, then Philip not just walked, but ran up to the chariots and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. And he asked him this question, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now some of you guys are like, that would never happen in real life. And yet, guys, guess what? You are like Philip, a people who have been called that the other world thought was not useful and called into his family, that you can trust this word of God, trust God for who he says he is. 
And as you are prepared and you stay, for lack of a better term, stay strapped, right? Like stay ready with the word of God in your heart. When people see a difference in your life, you will have an answer. When they say, dude, how come you're so patient? How come you're so kind? Like how come when we make fun of people, you don't engage the way we do? Like, are you better than us? Like, there's a perception that they begin to put on their minds, and yet it's not because that you're better than them. No, it's because you've spent time learning the voice of God in his word. And he gets to have this opportunity to get inside the chariots, this bougie chariots of the guy who's taking care of all the money of the queen of Ethiopia. And if anything, you could say he got a free ride, which is pretty amazing, right? He gets in this chariot and begins to explain to him. It says this, next verses, that, if you mind switching, it says this, accept or practice, oh, sorry, we'll skip that one, my bad. Uh, we believe in our, in our body that life change happens in relationship. And so Philip has this opportunity, because he's heard the voice of God, to jump into a relationship with this guy and to spend time with him. Now, if Philip had never listened to the word of God, if Philip had never spent time learning what the voice of God sounds like, he would never be in that position. And for many of you, you have friends, you have family, you have people who want and you desire to be with you in heaven forever, and yet you are saying, I don't have time for this word. I don't have time for it. And yet, if you do, you may be like Philip and have an opportunity to bring people into this relationship. See, life change happens in relationship. You are in your mother's, father's, aunt's, cousin's, grandma's house to be a minister of the gospel there. Like, you are put in your specific school, Newberry Park High School, yes, Oaks Christian, Westlake, like all these different schools, you are placed there specifically to be a missionary to live on purpose. And God wants to use you, but that only happens if you are in relationship with other people. And we see a church that is filled with people who don't only want to have relationship with each other, but with the world as well. See, the way you interact with the world tells us like volumes what we believe about Jesus, and also volumes what we believe about people. See, verse 29 says this, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and Stay near it. He's in proximity. And what happens is this. Proximity allows for, like, like, relationship to grow because you're close to someone. You're with someone. The easiest way for you to get to know someone is by spending time with them, right? How many guys have, like, dated? Oh, okay. Hold on. That was weird. Okay, good. Put it down. Put it down. Whew. Okay. How many of you guys had, like, a hoko date? Woo. Okay. No worries. All right. Leading up to asking him or her or Sadie Hawkins or anything, all right, let's go to lunch, whatever. All those moments, what gives you confidence to have that conversation? The fact that maybe you've been friends, the fact that maybe you have shared a class together, the fact that maybe you, like, you know this person's cousin's aunt from Tokyo or whatever. Like you have some reference or to, to get to know this person because you spent time with them. We believe that in the con that, that contact, that time spent with one another, you're able to grow. And we believe this specifically, that God has opportunity for us to be healed in context of relationship. Like you may have some brokennesses that have happened to you where maybe someone uh, ultimately broke your heart or disappointed you or someone uh, ultimately like you have trust issues with all kinds of people. 
But you can learn that there are people who genuinely love and care for you. And you have a God who genuinely loves and cares for you. We believe that God can also heal us from that depression in context of relationship. The beauty of having people in communities that you can talk and share life, life experiences with, who can walk through life with you. We believe also that God can also uh, uh, ultimately do this, heal us from addiction in context of relationship. Because you need to have healthy accountability. One of the things that, that allows us to be free is the fact that we have people who can help us like, stay in check. Because ultimately, when you're weak, you just got to be real. You're weak. And, and your community helps you to be strong. They encourage you. They spur you along. They're not there to condemn you or to make fun of you, but they're there to understandingly love and to take care of you. Believe that God himself allows us and gives us purpose and clarity in relationship. Some of you guys may be wondering, what are my next steps as a senior? What college can I go to? Like, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a doctor. I don't know where I'm going right down the medical line, but here we are. And they may be like, bro, you freak out whenever you see, like, a pimple burst. Medicine is not for you. Like, that's not your jam. And so in community, you're able to understand who you are, and, and where your extremities are. Then here's another one for us to know, that God gives us relief from exhaustion in relationship. What do I say? What do I mean by when I say this? I mean this. Generally, there is, uh, let's call it a normal nicety that people have. Like if I asked you right now, I'd be like, how, uh, uh, how are you? You might say you are good. Are you really good? Really? Like, are you really good? Like, how long can you keep saying good and living in this false reality? And I think ultimately what happens for us in our context where we have small groups is that we meet with people week in and week out where we have a safe space to be real, to be honest. And when someone says, I'm good, I'd be like, all right, great. What, what, make, what made your day good? How was your day? It was great. What made it great? And you can be honest and lay that down. God wants us to have the freedom to be real. Don't be exhausted trying to put up a front in context of relationship, you can also be free. The next one is this, that God gives us strength for difficult situations in relationship. Personally, myself, I felt this from our body, from you students. Earlier this year, my brother passed away, and I had so many text messages, emails, like DMs from you students encouraging me. The year before, my wife and I lost our, like, our baby. And can you imagine like, that kind of a loss? And yet, I had people who were encouraging, speaking words to us. We felt that care. We felt that attention to love and to care for us. And that would only happen if we had people around us who loved God and loved God's people. God also gives us wisdom for our future. He gives us clarity in what we're supposed to do. See, this book, the Bible says that everything pertaining to life and godliness is found in the word of God. Life, normal day-to-day life. How to pay taxes? Like, should I lend money out? It's all in there. Like, should I date him or not? Don't. Like, it's all in there. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's, it's all in there, right? All these things happen in context of the Bible and our relationship with God and his people. See, God uses his people ultimately to accomplish his purposes, and God will use you. How many of you guys here in this room are leaders in your school FCAs? 
And there you go, one, two, three, there's a few people in the room. See, these are only a small sample of people. But guess what? You don't have to be an FCA leader to cause change, to bring healing, to bring hope. God will use you wherever you are. The next verse says this in Acts 8.32. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb, as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? It says this in the next verse, because this man is, is, is trying to understand, what is this Bible about? And some of these things are, are hard to understand. Like, what the heck? There's a guy called Paul, okay? You guys heard of Paul in the Bible? Paul has a homie called Peter. Peter writes about Paul in the Bible, all right? You're talking about people throwing shade in the Bible? It's all in the Bible. Trust me. Peter goes, this Paul guy, he writes these big ideas, and it's all confusing. Like, I understand it, but trust the Spirit of God to help you understand it. That's what he says, literally, right? And so some of these things are hard to understand, but what we do is, in context of relationship, we have opportunities to understand what God is saying. But what he does next is this. When he's asked a question of what's in the Bible, Philip responds this way. He goes... He began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about who? Krishna? About Aaron? About Pastor Brian? About Pastor Sean? About Sophie? Like, what, what news did he tell him about? The news about Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis, like right in the beginning, Jesus comes to be the better Adam. Like, he's always through every book. And if you sit down with one of our leaders and just try, begin to trace through all these books of the Bible, we see images of Jesus and how he has come to redeem and save every single one of us in this room. This is not a mistake. This is not just a fairy tale. This has been written by God before eternity. He was so purposeful in making this plan to save us. See, we believe that it's all about Jesus and ultimately... We believe that we're going to be a church who are filled with the disciples who are committed to make much of Jesus. See, in this room, we don't make much of likes. We don't make much of songs. We don't make much of people. We make much of Jesus because it's, it's, it's all about him. Like, if you came here tomorrow, we'd still be preaching Jesus. I believe in 10 years, we'll still be preaching Jesus. If, if in two years, in a month, I start telling you to follow another God, another faith, Know that it's done. Like, I'm done. I'm crazy. Something's wrong with me. Please lock me up. Like, something's wrong, ultimately. Because I've understood, I've learned, even just going through these texts, that Jesus is the center of everything, the center of our world, the center of this, this book, and also the center of our life. He's real and wants to have relationship with us. And if this church ultimately is all about Jesus, it's not all about my comfort and my enjoyment, meaning Yes, 100%, we come here and we have mad fun, like mad fun. I almost said it like a British fan, mad fun. Anyway, the point is this. We have all kinds of fun. FNL, we turn up, yo. Like after parties, we have a ton of fun. We hang out. We have Halloween, like uh, special abilities ministry, uh, Halloween time to hang out with these kids for my special abilities ministry, and we have the best time. But why do we do this? It's a means to an end so that people can know that Jesus is love, that we can love people who most people would 
ignore. No, we do this ultimately because we are a people who live and love like Jesus too. If this church is all about Jesus, then there may be things around here that you may not prefer. There are people who ultimately won't come to our church. Why? Because we made, not, we made a decision to make a stance that's aligned on Jesus. Like, talk about Black Lives Matter. Okay, great, we will. And here's what Jesus would do. Like, there's things like, hey, what about this political party? Here's what Jesus would do. What do I do? And, and you guys have all these conversations about, what about abortion? What about my friend who's transitioning? What about my friend who is actively living out a homosexual lifestyle? What do we do with that kind of a person? This is what Jesus says about it. See, again, everything lands and falls on Jesus. There's nothing else. There's nowhere else we can find ways to love people except through the love of Christ. We don't make it about a political party. We'll make it about a particular sex or gender. We don't make it about anything else except what would Jesus do? Back in the day, they had these, these bracelets that had what would Jesus do? What WWJD? And I think now there'll be new ones called HWLF, which means he would love, thank you, he would love first. He would love first. And ultimately, we want to be a people again who live and love like Jesus. If church, this church itself, is about Jesus, then there may be things, oh, hold on. If, if then, my God, there we go. I'm wearing four, four sets of eyes. There we go. All right. Then I'm going to have to read the Bible. If this church ultimately is about Jesus, then the best way for me to get to know him is going to be by diving in his word. And if this church ultimately is about Jesus, then guess what? It's not all about me. It's all about him. The greatest challenge for any church and any generation is this. And as the worship team comes back up, is to be a people who keep the main thing the main thing. Because as people go through seasons, they want to make church about a particular like political party, they want to make it about a particular movement, and yet God has called us to be a people who share the gospel of Christ. The next verse in Mark says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow who? Aaron? Follow Drew? Follow who? Follow me. Follow Jesus. He goes, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, what's happening here is this. God has called us to live a life of self-sacrificial love. Like, we are to be a people who lay down our desires so that other people can experience the love of Jesus. And I'll give you a hard one. For some of us, that, that may sound far-fetched, but even things like anger. See, I grew up in a pastor's household. And so for many years, I actually had an anger issue against my father. Why? Because he was a pastor? No, but because sometimes he wasn't present for me. And you might be like, I could be justified in that. I could be justified in that. But because I know that God has forgiven me, I can lay down my entitlement even to my pain and to my anger and say, God, like, you have better for me. 
because you are jealous for me. You are pursuing me. And if you've given so much, your only son, like there was an extra one, backup, like nothing like that, because you're willing to give your, your best, I'm willing to give my best to you. The next verse says this in verse 38, that as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, some random pool on the side of the road. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariots. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Bougie Ethiopian, big baller, making money, right? He's like, he has no reason to lay down his status. He decides to get in the side of the road around some random pool of water and gets baptized. Why? Because he sees that this God, this Jesus is worthy is more than his title, is more than the money that he makes, is more than anything he can get from the world. He sees that God is worthy. Verse 32 says this about this Jesus, the Jesus he responds to. And this is the passage that he was reading. It says that the passage of scripture he was reading, the eunuch was reading, says this, that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. That this Jesus willingly knew where he was going. He knew that he would die for your sins, endure pain. Till this day, crucifixion is the worst way to die ever. Brutal, brutal. It's torture for hours and hours until you die. He knew that. But because he had you in mind, because he had your freedom in mind, he endured it. He took it on. And you might say, dude, like that's wild. Yes, it is wild. So when you compare what Jesus did for us on the cross, letting himself die so he could rise again and give us freedom, what are the things that you need to let die? What are the things you're holding on to? Because ultimately they're keeping you from enjoying the freedom that God has for you. See, on the cross what happened is this. Jesus paid. He paid a debt he did not owe. He didn't owe that, that, that debt of sin. You did. I did. But here I am free. I can sing. I can rejoice. I can be free because I know that it's paid. It's like when someone owes you money, like that person ultimately feels super awkward around you. Like, hey, did you, did you get my Venmo request? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally forgot. Forgets another week. Like, you just feel awkward. You don't have to have awkwardness with God anymore. And this is not just like a Venmo request. This is like ultimately requesting of your life. He wants to give himself to you. We owe the great debt that he paid. It says this in Colossians 2.13, that once he did that, once he took our debt, we were free. There was no mark against us. And we can sing these songs that we have here that are not empty words like it said in Deuteronomy. These are our life. These are truths for us to hold on to because we can have confidence that this God is for us and not against us. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the fact that you are building my brothers and sisters into a people who delight in your word, a people who understand that it's all about you, that life change happens in relationship, Lord. We thank you that you are creating this community of people who focus on you as the highest point, the joy, the reward. 
what is worth through God. You are better. You are better than money, than sex, than, 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 than power. You're better than a job, Lord. We are thankful that you're better than a relationship. You're better than everything, Lord. Help us rem- just keep it in the back of our minds, Lord God, as we walk through this life. Give my brothers and sisters the strength to recognize also that you gave your life for them so they can have freedom. And Lord, that's our hope, Lord, that everyone in this room would realize the freedom that you've given them, Lord, so they can walk in it, Lord. I pray this blessing, my brothers and sisters, and my God's people say. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary HSM 805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.